Morning, everyone. My name is Tim Harris. I'm pastor at Woodburn. Welcome to all of you. Open your Bibles two places this morning. First, to the Old Testament book of Leviticus. Leviticus chapter 19, verse 32. Then another verse. Uh, Have your Bible ready to turn to 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12. Two verses today in order to conclude the sermon series Forever Young. We've been talking to, for, and about young people. Today's going to bring this series to a close. Sermon title this morning is Young People Have No Idea What Age Is and Old People Tend to Forget What It Means to Be Young. But my goodness, there really is a sort of generation gap. And honestly, sometimes in church you feel that. But I've really tried in the last few weeks to close that gap, reminding you that we are all the church of today, reminding you that God is a God of eternity. He's not getting any older. He was never any younger. And God is the God for all of us, not just for our fathers, our mothers, our grandparents. God is a God for all of us together. He is forever young. This morning, uh, looking at these two verses and thinking about uh, these matters, and I want to present one more challenge to uh, to all of us young folks today. Leviticus chapter 19, verse 32. If you thought we were going to get through a series to young people and skip this part, uh, you were mistaken. Leviticus chapter 19 verse 32 says this, Stand up in the presence of the elderly and show respect for the aged. Fear your God, I am the Lord. The commandments don't get any clearer than that. Stand up in the presence of the elderly. Show respect for the, for the aged. Uh, the word for the young people uh, in all days, in all places, it's just very, very simply, you're supposed to respect elders. It doesn't get any plainer than that. Respect elders. It says to stand up in the presence of the elderly. Uh, That might mean you should stand up every time mamma walks in the room. I'm not so sure about that. It's more of an attitude. Remember, in the biblical culture, it was the servant who stood. Servants would stand. The master would remain seated. The servant stood as a sign of respect, but also as a sign that the servant recognized that he or she should always be ready and willing to go to work. You're always ready and willing to work, to obey, ready to take care of the needs of those who are older. So that's what the scripture's saying. As a younger person, you should respect those who are older than you, and you should always be ready to do whatever they need you to do to help them. That's as old as time itself. It's the way God has put together the moral universe. Those who are young respect those who are old. Some of you are saying right now, but Brother Tim, you don't know my old man. You don't know my dad. My dad, you just don't understand. You can't respect him. You can't honor him. Oh, you don't understand. You've got to read the scripture here. It doesn't say that this respect has got to be earned. It's ordained. It's ordained by God. Simply because they are older, you show them special respect. This applies to your parents. It applies to your grandparents. It applies to your school teachers. It applies to all those who are older in the church. All those older in the community, you name them, you owe them respect. It's not earned, it's ordained. Amazing, huh? Uh, The plainest word in Scripture, respect. Uh, Obey your parents, Scripture says, in the Lord, for this is right. Obedience is very much a part of being young. It's very much a part of what God expects from us. It says, obey your parents in the Lord, which is to say, obeying our parents, respecting our elders, is something we do toward God. It's something we do to please Him. It is one of the oldest commandments in the book. And we should take it very seriously. That means when your mother, your father asks you to do something, how many times should they have to say it? Are y'all mad at me? Once. One time, they should obey you 
when you say it one time. Your mom and dad shouldn't have to say it over and over and over. Why is that? Because God says obey them. God says respect them. God says always be ready to do whatever they ask you to do. It's plain. It's plain. Children obey. And all of us who are younger, we respect all of those who are older. Amazing. Uh, Amazing. One of the also amazing things about this is that if you look through history, you read what people have said about their times, people always say that the next generation is not very respectful. They're losing respect for elders. That's always been said all the way back to Adam and Eve, I I promise you. Old folks have always complained that the next generation has no respect for their elders. You think that's true today? Think so? I I believe so. I believe it's probably especially true today. I think we see that all around us. Why do you think that's so? Somebody give me an answer. Why do young people today not have respect for elders? What's that? Oh, Denise says they think they know more than their elders. Yeah, yeah, they think they know it all. Yeah. Anybody else? Other ideas? Why don't they respect him? Because they've never been taught, and that's exactly what I would say. I do believe that the next generation probably has less respect, but I'm telling you, the simple reason is they've never been taught respect. You and I as parents, and in some ways our parents, we are failing our children because we don't teach them respect. We don't expect them to respect us. We don't command respect. We don't demand respect. We just simply live in this culture where there is no respect for anyone. Now, now understand, this scripture is not just a scripture that we preach to our children. This applies to everyone, which means whoever you are, you are responsible before God to show respect for those older than you. So this applies to adults too. Don't miss that part. And as a matter of fact, one of the most important ways you teach your children respect is you model it. They will learn to respect elders in the same way that you as parents respect your elders. It's magical, isn't it? Your children watch the way you deal with your parents. Your children pay attention to how you talk to grandma and and, and grandpa. Don't Don't make the mistake of thinking that they're not paying attention. And this is how they learn respect. If you're talking to your mother on the phone, and when you hang up, you say, man, that crazy old bat, and you hang up the phone, I promise you, one day, your daughter will hang up the phone from talking to you, and she will say what? Crazy old bat. Yeah. She learns it from you. She learns it from you. They watch the way you treat older people at church. They watch the way you interact with older people in the community. They watch you. They see how you treat your parents, and they will respect in the same way they're taught to respect. And honestly, we don't teach children respect these days. As a matter of fact, many of us don't even accept it when children or younger folks offer it to us. I I mean, right now, looking across this congregation, if 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 I were to look at Andy Norwood and call him Mr. Norwood, what might he say to me? Mr. Norwood? Who you calling Mr. Norwood? Mr. Norwood is my father. Yeah, you ever heard anybody say that? What are you doing? Someone is showing you respect, but you're saying, hold it, hold it, hold it. Don't, don't, don't respect me. I'm not old. That, that, that's what you want to say. I'm not old. Yeah. Have you ever said yes, ma'am, or no, ma'am to, to someone? Because I have. This has happened to me a number of times. I'll say, uh, how are you today, ma'am? And a woman will say, who are you calling ma'am? Like I called her something rude or, or dirty. You call her ma'am. Who are you calling ma'am? 
I, I opened a door for a lady one day at Greenwood Mall, and she said, do you think I can't do that for myself? She will next time. But do you understand, do you understand how we don't even let people show us respect because we ourselves do not respect age? Some of you in this house, you're getting older every day, but you don't respect your own age. Literally, the scripture here, it says in verse 32, stand up in the presence of gray hair. That's what the Hebrew says. Stand up in the presence of gray hair. Honestly, I just don't see that much gray hair around. Do you know why? Two words, Miss Clairol. <laughs> Nobody wants gray hair. Nobody wants to look old. The scripture says stand up in the presence of gray hair and show respect for the face of an old man. That's what the Hebrew says. The face, the hair. That's the part some of you can't stand. You don't want an old lady's face. You don't want gray hair. And I'm saying I, I think there's something profoundly wrong with a culture that really has no more respect for age than that. We despise the fact that we are getting older, and therefore, we don't want people to respect us as if we were older, and we have a tremendous problem in our culture. There's very little respect for age, but Scripture ordains it. It's the way God has structured the moral universe in such a way that as you grow older, you gain respect. God ordains that you receive that respect, and you should respect yourself as an aging person, and you should graciously receive the respect that others pay you. God ordains that respect for you. So older folks get respect. What about younger folks? Do they get any respect? Growing up, I thought not. But look at what 1 Timothy says. Now this is great. This is good stuff. If you have an ink pen, take it out. Underline this verse, especially, especially if you're young. Underline this verse. This is good. You think that the Bible is on the side of the old folks. You think that whole sermon I just spent some time sharing with you, you're thinking that God is just on the side of the older folks. But look at what the Word of God says to the young. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12. I love this. Don't let anyone think less of you because you are young. Don't let anyone think less of you because you are young. Be an example to all believers in what you say, in the way you live, in your love, your faith, and your purity. That's amazing. Now this is the Apostle Paul writing a letter to young Timothy. And Timothy is a young pastor. But Timothy obviously had a lot of trouble. Timothy was young. When Timothy went to a church and tried to preach, people didn't listen to him, if you pay attention to what Scripture says. They didn't listen to him. It was because he was young. If you read between the lines in Paul's letter to the Corinthians, it sounds like at some point Paul sent Timothy to sort of clean up the mess at Corinth, and they humiliated Timothy. He was too young. They ran his pants up the flagpole, so, so to speak. They mistreated him simply because he was young. Timothy fought that battle all the time. They wouldn't accept him. They wouldn't respect him because of his age. And Paul says to him, don't you let anyone, don't let anyone look down on you because you're young. I, I like that. The church is a place where the older folks get the respect that God ordains from them. But the church is also a place where young people can also have respect. 
Paul says, don't let anyone disrespect you. Don't let anyone look down on you. Instead, you be an example. Now that's interesting. As I said, the respect for the older folks, that's ordained. God says you give it to them because I've ordained it. But the respect for younger folks, what Paul says here to Timothy is a little bit different. He says, don't let them look down on you. Instead, you be something. You be something worth looking up to. When you're young, believe it or not, you've got some things to prove. You may know it all, but you've got to demonstrate that. And so far, to be honest, you haven't. You haven't. You've got some things to prove. And as you prove yourself as a young man, a young woman of God, people will begin to take note of you. The point is, no matter how old you are, you live your life for Christ in such a way that people look up to you. And don't think that people won't look up to you just because you're young. Paul says, Paul says, don't let them look down on you, but you be an example by the way you live. People will look up to you. The word Paul uses there, for example, look at the verse again. Don't let anyone think less of you because you're young. Be an example. The word there, it's a Greek word, it's, it's tupas. Say that just for fun, tupas. Tupas, you, you speak Greek, that's wonderful. Tupas is a Greek word that means example, but it comes from a root word, a verb, that means to leave a mark by impact. To leave a mark by impact. Have you ever had anything leave a mark on you like that because of impact? I got hit in the mouth with a baseball once. It, it left a mark and, and several teeth on the ground. Uh, it, it left a mark. This is the verb, this is the word being used here, to, to leave a mark. Boy, one time I was fixing my washing machine at home. The washer sits back against the wall underneath a cabinet that's about this high. And I was bent under the cabinet working on the washer, and I was really going at it. But all of a sudden, I stood up too fast and went, bam, and I hit my head on the counter, which left a mark. But then, real fast, my head ricocheted off the counter and went back down and hit the washer. So it went, bap, boom, just bap, boom, just like that. Left a mark on the back of my head and the front of my head. It, it left a mark. That's the idea that Paul's using here. He says, with your life, you want to leave a mark. Not a negative mark, not a bruise, not a scar. You want to make an impression on people for Christ that is so positive. You live your life in such a way where you leave a mark on their lives for, for Christ. They will look up to you when you live that way. And notice that Paul says this is an example to everyone. So while this message is sent toward young Timothy and those who are young in our house, this is the way we all should live. Every Christian living in such a way where other people can look up to you. Look up to you. Paul mentions five areas of Timothy's life, five areas of a young person's life in which they should leave that kind of mark. They should be that kind of example. The first two are outward qualities. The last three are inward qualities. The first two, the first. Be an example. Leave a mark in the way you speak. Notice that he says speech first. He puts your words out there first. I think that's amazing. Scripture always comes back to the fact that your mouth says more about you than anything else. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. In other words, the person you really are, it has a way of spilling out every time you start talking. 
And so Paul says, number one, if you're really going to live that kind of life that people look up to you, respect you, it starts with the way you talk. It starts with your speech. Your speech. Or if we're talking to teenagers, it even starts with your texting, your words. Your words matter. Book of James says that if a person could learn to control their mouth, control their tongue, everything else in their life is going to fall into place. Your mouth is your biggest problem. And as a young person, if you could learn to speak in such a way that leaves a positive impression on others, you will go far. It begins with your speech. It begins with the way you talk. And honestly, some young people, the way they talk, it it makes me concerned for the rest of their lives. If what's coming out of their mouth is what's in their heart, I'm scared. I'm scared. Young people today, as well as older folks, have a tendency to use profanity. I mean, the world today has become so vulgar. Don't you understand? Any redneck imbecile can cuss, can talk like that. So why do you want to sound like a redneck imbecile? Why don't you learn to use speech in such a way where you will leave a positive impression for Christ? That is what you're intended to do. Clean up your mouth. But beyond that, beyond just not saying bad words, you've got to learn to use your speech in a way that encourages others, that builds them up. This is where you start, young person. It starts with your mouth. It starts with your speech. Be an example for Christ in the way you talk. Leave an impression with your words. Be an example in in your speech, the scripture says. It also says in your life, in your behavior. It's not just in your talking, it's also in your walking, what you do with your life, how you behave every single day. And this is very, very important. Don't think that it's not. It really matters how you behave in school. It really matters how you act at home. It does not matter how young you are. Your life matters. Your behavior matters. And the choices you make, they matter for life. Your behavior counts, and you're supposed to live the kind of life that would others would look up to you. They would see your life, see your behavior, and they would respect you. My, my goodness, you've got to know that in your typical high school, your typical middle school, there are very few people who live that way. Very few kids who live a life that is so exemplary in behavior. The kids you meet, and after you meet them, you want to be like them. But that's what the scripture says. You be that kind of young person. People see your life, and they want to be like you. You be that young woman. You be that young man. In speech, in life. In love. Number three, love. Love. If you ask your typical older person if they would ever, if they would like to go back to high school, relive those days, or go back to middle school, relive those days, what do most old people say? No way. No way. I would not go back. And why is that? Why do most of us say we wouldn't go back? Because kids are so cruel. Kids are cruel. We all remember that. And you need to remember that your kids every single day are are in a context where other kids are often very cruel. It's cruel. 
Kids make fun of other kids without mercy. Kids have a way of identifying and labeling and humiliating one another on a daily basis. Kids are cruel. High school can be a very, very cruel place to be. Just be one of the kids who's not as attractive as the other kids. Just be one of those kids with the skin that's not as clear as other kids. Be one of those kids who can't afford the shoes or the clothes. You just try to be one of those kids. And I'm telling you, school is a very difficult place because kids are cruel. But you, Paul says, you need to live a life of such love that others will see you and notice the difference. You're not supposed to be like other kids. You're not supposed to treat other kids that way. Other kids may be cruel, but you're not supposed to be that way. You're different. You're supposed to be different. You should treat other kids differently. It doesn't matter if they're your friends. It doesn't matter if you even know them. You are obligated because of Christ to show them love. You are not allowed to make fun of other kids. You're not allowed to embarrass or humiliate them to call them names. You are supposed to have such love in your heart that it affects the way you live your life. Be an example in love and in faith. Paul says, in faith, this is all the way down to number four, faith. Do you really think kids can be examples in faith? Absolutely. I've seen it. I, I see it all the time. Every now and then, not often enough, but every now and then in worship, our kids, you'll just see them catch fire for the Lord. You'll see their hearts catch on fire. And they become very free and very passionate in their worship. And I love that. It doesn't happen enough. Something about old people, it gets very difficult for us to catch on fire, you know, until you go through the change. I guess some of you ladies seem to catch fire rather routinely. Not that kind of fire. I'm talking about the spiritual fire that many of us know when we're young, but as time goes by, we forget how to love Jesus that much. We forget how to just turn loose in worship. We forget how to be free and glad and joyful. I love to see the kids do that. I love to see their faith on fire in that way. That's when they are my examples in worship. I want to worship God like that. Through the history of our church, we have seen a number of kids, a number of teenagers who absolutely led lives of exemplary faith. Through the years, we've had kids who brought themselves to church. We have a bicycle rack out here in front of our door. Do you know why? Because we have kids who routinely bring themselves to church. In other words, that little boy sets his own alarm. He gets up on Sunday morning. He gets himself ready. Don't you understand? Nobody else in his house is going to church. We've had little girls who walk to church, who ride their bikes to church, and nobody's bringing them, and nobody's encouraging them, and they can live their whole lives going much further than their parents in faith. Don't you understand that that can happen when you're young? You can have that kind of faith. Faith is not limited by age or, or experience. Faith is a gift from God. And if you love him and give him your whole heart, he will bless your life in amazing ways. It's wonderful to see children who take the lead in faith like that go even beyond what their parents express. Be an example in your speech, in your life, in your love, in your faith, and in your purity. No way we're going to let this uh, Forever Young series get by without talking about purity. 
I, I know that there are many ways you could spin that word, but honestly, Paul is talking about sexual purity here. Every time he uses that word, he's talking about sexual purity. And as young people, you need to hear the message about sexual purity. It is a way that we please God by keeping ourselves sexually pure. Now, the reason we tend to save this message for young people is because sex is God's good gift for marriage. God created sex, and sex is good. I thought somebody would say amen there. What's wrong with you people? (laughs) Sex is good. Well, just take my word for it. It is, and it's God's good gift. God created it to be wonderful, to be playful, to be joyful between a husband and wife. It belongs in marriage. Inside marriage, it is fantastic. Inside marriage, it is so wonderful. Outside of marriage, it becomes sin. Outside of marriage, it becomes dirty, and it will make you feel dirty. Outside of marriage, it is destructive in your relationships and in your heart. That is why God gives this great gift, but gives boundaries with which that gift is to be experienced and enjoyed. And the boundary is marriage. Therefore, if you're not married, if you're too young to be married, then you are not to have sex. You're not to have a sexual life. Sex belongs in marriage. Your job is to protect and preserve your sexual purity for the honeymoon night after you're married. I didn't say when you live together. I'm saying when you get married, then you enjoy God's great gift of sex. It waits until you're married. And as a young person, you've got to understand the beauty and the importance of that. Nobody in the world is telling you this anymore. Nobody. The church has got to spread this message. That sex is beautiful, it's wonderful, but it belongs in marriage. Always in marriage. Young people, you've got to preserve your purity and see that as a gift, a wonderful gift God gives you, a gift that you give to your spouse one day. It's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. Purity. Be examples in purity. Examples for all believers. Now, that's important. Examples for all believers in purity. Because here's the other message that we don't preach as often. Purity is not just for teenagers. It's not just for kids. Purity is a Christian virtue that every one of us should value and preserve in our lives. Even in marriage, you must remain sexually pure. I don't mean you don't have sex. I mean you save sex always only for your spouse. Always only for your spouse. We live in a world in which sex is degraded. Sex is made so cheap. But I'm telling you, it's not going to be that way in the church we're supposed to be examples of purity. We love to get the teenagers together and, and give them long, long, drawn-out series about why wait and, and true love waits and all that, and that's so wonderful. But I want to preach that to the grown-ups, too. I spend way too much time dealing with couples who don't seem to know how to keep their pants zipped up. Too many grown-ups who don't seem to respect the purity that God wants them to have in their own marriage. We're supposed to be Christians. And young people who keep themselves pure are an example to all of us. Did you understand? It's the same practice of purity. It's the same value all through your life. I kept myself pure until the day I got married to Casey Wilson Harris. She was my wife, and then we had sex in Nashville. I was scared to death. 
but wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. And we've been married 20 years. I'm telling you, she's the only sexual partner I've ever had. And she's the only sexual partner I will ever have. She does not have to worry about me cheating. She doesn't have to worry because it's not in my heart. And my wife knows that I saved myself for her even before I knew her. I saved myself for her even before I knew her. So now that I know her and love her, I'm never, ever going to stray from her. Sex is something I will only ever share with my wife, Casey, for as long as I live. She's the only partner I'll ever know. And I'm not bragging. That's supposed to be normal. What I've just described, that's supposed to be normal. I'm not picking myself up as any kind of example. I'm just saying that's normal, people. That's normal. You remain sexually pure throughout your life. When you're young and when you're single or when you're old and single, you keep yourself sexually pure. If you do not have a spouse, you do not have sex. You keep yourself pure. And then after you're married, you continue to keep yourself pure for your spouse. That means you don't flirt with somebody else at work. It means you don't entertain the idea of an affair. You do not do that. You are to keep yourself pure. Young people are to be examples of this. It's not easy. I know it's not easy. There were times in high school and I felt like a total dork. I felt like every kid in school was having sex and I was somehow the weirdo. I'm telling you, I will gladly be that weird. I will gladly be a total dork. I, I, I will because I think purity matters more. My purity, my integrity matters more. So how do you live the kind of life that others look up to? Well, it's very, very simple. According to what Scripture says, if you want others to look up to you, then you've got to raise your standards. You've got to live at a moral standard that's above the world and above those who don't know Christ. If they're going to look up to you, you've got to raise your standards. The standards of your speech, the standards of your behavior, the standard of your love, your faith, your purity. You've got to live at a higher standard. And if you will do that, whatever age, if you will live at a higher standard, People eventually will look up to you. They will look up to you. People respect conviction. But if you lower yourself, nobody can look up to you. Did you understand that? If you lower yourself, if you won't live with your own standards, if you won't follow the strength of your own convictions, there's nothing respectable about that. You can't respect your own self, and nobody else can respect you either. I don't care how old you are. So why would we do that? Why would any of us lower ourselves? Why would we live in such a way where nobody could respect us? Why would we do that? Very, very simply, I think some of us, many of us, would rather be liked than respected. We would rather be liked we do whatever people want us to do because we want to please people. We want to be popular at school or we want our own kids to think we're cool. For whatever reason, we will sacrifice our convictions simply in order that others may like us, that we can feel like we'll be more popular. We would rather be liked than respected. But I promise you, there will come a day when living that life simply to be liked, it will become very, very empty and thin for you. It's no way to live. Soren Kierkegaard used to tell a fable about the circus clown. He said the circus clown lived his life 
to entertain the crowd and to be liked by the crowd. Everything the clown does is for the crowd. That's why the clown wears the big old clown wig, the funny hair, because people like that. And that's why he wears those gigantic shoes that look so funny, because people like that. It, it entertains the crowd. That's why the clown wears those big old pants that explode like that, because people like that. It's why he rides the itty-bitty bike. People like that. Everything the clown does is, is for the crowd. It's, it's to be liked. But one night outside the big top, there was a fire that was raging in a local wheat field. And the fire began moving toward the tent where all of the crowd was gathered. The ringmaster stepped back and he said, someone must go tell the crowd. Please go tell the people to run for their lives. There's a fire. Run for your lives. Fire. So the circus clown went racing back into the tent. He was running around the, the big ring with his big shoes and his exploding pants and his hair. And the people were laughing and clapping. And the clown was saying, fire, fire, run for your lives. And they laughed and they clapped and they clapped. He got on the itty-bitty bike and he rode the bike as fast as he could around the ring. So fire, run for your lives. But they laughed and they clapped. And the flames engulfed the tent. Nobody listened to him. Why? Simply because he was a clown. Nobody listens to a clown. You make yourself a clown in order to be liked by other people. Don't you understand that? You make yourself a clown. You dress for other people. You speak in a way that you think will make other people accept you. Everything you do, you do for them. You so desperately want to be liked that you no longer think about how important it might be one day to be respected. That's why the young girl who gives up her virginity just to get it over with, that young girl who sleeps with that boy just because she thinks that that way she'll have him, he'll love her, he'll stay with her. That's why one day after sleeping with him, she'll feel so cheap because she'll recognize that even though he may have liked sleeping with her, he does not respect her. And it's a very, very horrible feeling to realize that you have no respect. You make yourself a clown in your life, trying to entertain and please other people, trying to be so popular, trying to be liked. But I'm telling you, Scripture says that if you really, really want to find happiness, if you really want to find fulfillment, then don't let anyone look down on you because you're young. Instead, you live your life in such a way where they actually look up to you because you become an example of speech and behavior and love. Faith, purity. Paul says you live your life in such a way, no matter how old or young you are, you live your life in such a way where you leave a mark for Christ. You leave an impression for Christ in the lives of others. Live your life in such a way for Christ that you leave a mark on their lives. Pray with me. God, I remember high school. I remember middle school. I remember, Lord, uh, all the kids cussed. Lord, I remember how the kids ran and laughed, disrespected. I, I remember, Lord, how they all seemed to sleep with somebody different on a Friday night. Lord, talk about sex. Remember how they drank at parties. I remember. It seemed like everybody. But, Lord, I also remember that there were a few who were different. I remember, Lord, Christians in my school. 
I remember those who stood strong with their convictions, and sometimes, Lord, it got them laughed at, but, Lord, it also, through the years, has earned them a great deal of respect. God, help us all to live our lives in such a way where others can truly look up to us, respect us, not because of what we are, Lord, but because of whose we are, yours, Lord, and we long to follow you. God, truly, you have placed us in this world to show others the difference that Christ makes in our lives. Lord, I pray especially for our young people that you would make such a drastic difference that even old folks will long to be like them. God, I do pray for our young people in this church. I pray that you would set their hearts on fire for you. I pray, Lord, that they would live lives of such conviction and such strength and such power that they would absolutely show the way for all the other kids, those weak, convictionless kids, Lord, who are anxious to see someone worth following. Lord Jesus, put Christian kids in their path worth following. And, Lord, I pray that our kids will always be leading and pointing toward Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. I don't know how you need to respond today. I, I, I preach, but it's God's word that speaks. And I don't know how God is speaking to you, but I want to give you an opportunity to respond. Some of you have decisions that you've been putting off that you need to make. Some of you, when you get to church and you hear God's word preached, your heart begins to feel heavy. You start thinking about your sin and the life that you live, and you're ready to turn from that life of sin and to embrace something new, the life that Christ has for you. This is what we mean by becoming a Christian. And if today you feel like you're ready to begin that life of, of becoming more like Christ, I invite you to come forward and, and let me talk with you. Let me pray with you. Others of you, you're supposed to be Christians those around you are still waiting to see a difference that Christ would make in your life. Be an example. Uh, leave a mark on their lives. If you have a physical need for healing, the deacons will meet you on the organ side to anoint you and pray with you. Whatever your need, the altar is open. I'm at the front to receive you if you have a public decision to make. Stand, please, and let's sing. Here's your opportunity. <laughs>